Good morning and welcome to Your Daily Game Face. I'm Dr. Kim Lannon. I'm here with Lou Blasi and the motto of the day is <laughs> my personality is my personality and my attitude towards you is totally dependent on who you are yeah. as a person. It's not how we talked about it a second ago, but that's no. still the same thing. He my personality is who I am. My attitude depends largely on who you are. Who you are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a great, I think that's a great motto. Yeah. My personality is who I am. My attitude largely <laughs> depends on you. And why are we talking about this? Because you and I are already at it this morning. <laughs> we aren't at it. Misrepresenting What it. did you say to me when I came in this morning? That I had to have, oh, I was complaining about the people next door being loud yes. and buffering into my studio space. And you said, they're having fun. You should try it. <laughs> <laughs> I did it with a smile on my face, though. Just you know. because you're yeah. smiling. Yeah. Okay. I have to just, I'm, normally I wouldn't talk about my parents on the show, but I will say my mother, mm -hmm. who may or may not be listening, which whatever, but she used to, <laughs> she, she used to say, she probably would still say it to me if, if she could, but um, I haven't seen her in a while, but she would yell at me. And then when I would say, you need to stop yelling, and it was always like, well, but I'm telling you the truth. So then it turned into, uh, yeah. I'm not yelling. And she'd bring it down to this level where she wasn't yelling, but it was still this really snippy, nasty thing that yeah, she would yeah. say and be like, I'm not yelling. I'm just speaking the truth. And she would do it in that tone. And I'm like, you're still yelling. It's just without yep, yelling. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So, sorry, mom. But listen, not you sorry. come in. You come into the room every week. Swords up. Swords up. I come in and I say hello. I'm <laughs> honey. I'm home. No. That is not swords up. No, you come in swords up. How is that? Yeah. Well, the banter. You know how it is. So that was. Honey, it was I'm home. The... Okay. So, what should I say to you? Oh, it's not about what you say. Oh, it's my demeanor. I didn't hear, honey. I'm home this morning. By the I way, I did. Oh, okay. As in the other that's room. no, you were. That's because I came in. I said, "Honey, I'm home." You weren't sitting in your chair, and then I complained immediately, going, "Now you're in the bathroom in my bathroom." <laughs> that's right. <laughs> There's the swords up, and you go, "I'm not. I'm in the other room," and I could hear you in my section of the studio. You're getting your section of the studio ready for the show. Freezing, and you had to turn the heat up. It's freezing in here. Mm -hmm. Are we? Are we okay now? We're fine. We're always swords fine. up. I'm gonna bring swords up. <laughs> personality versus attitude yep. just remember that you put the motto out there yep that's I true love working with you <laughs> <laughs> um okay so i i have a, i'm on a roll today today is so busy i'm gonna be cross-eyed by 11 o'clock tonight that's <laughs> what i think because I've, I've i started it normally i'm up early anyway but i started truly started this morning at six and I've been going and I've been pinging. You know how when you're supposed to be going somewhere and you're going to be doing something and then all of a sudden you get 55,000 calls and then you need to be doing. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's already that started Tuesday. today. Yeah. No one even yeah. knows that I'm doing anything and whatever. So, yeah. but I am. And so I just will be out of the office. Um, that's all I'm saying is that, but I have events this weekend. And so I've been eventing all week. So this is the week of charity <laughs> for some reason. It just yeah. all landed in the same week. So on Sunday, I'm going to give a nice plug to a fantastic foundation. First and foremost, our, our good friend, Frank Simonetti from the yes. Bruins alumni mm -hmm. um, and Maria Cohn, his lovely bride, um, who put together Bowl with Bruin, Bowl with Bruins. Um, and it goes to the Warrior for Life Fund, which is the Navy SEAL Foundation 
it is not near the Navy SEAL Foundation, but Warrior for Life Fund goes towards the Navy SEALs. And what they've done down in Virginia Beach is that they've helped build an ice skating rink to help um, active duty and retired and veteran Navy SEAL families mm -hmm. um, access hockey as a way to have purpose and sense yep. of family camaraderie, but also have a sense of purpose for themselves as getting together as guys together and all the things that fall out from that in terms of just individual camaraderie together and also family events. And they are um, invested in the Bruins with the warrior for life fund. And so a whole bunch of the Navy SEALs were up here with us this weekend and, and um, they're good friends of ours. Uh, love them. Um, one of the guys was, bestowed a really nice thing on me uh, in terms of like a special little medallion that he gave me for being um, the doing the work I do with veterans. So I won't name him, but I am honored and privileged to have been given that. And it was lovely. Mm. And, uh, but it also raises money. So bowl for bowl with the ruins also raises money for the pan mass challenge in Dana Farber. They raise a ton of money for cancer and they also, um, they do for Fisher House and Fisher House is here in Boston. And that's a place where veterans and people who are still active in duty can go and have, I call it physical repair work from all their damages. <laughs> yeah. um, so it, it, it w those were the three charities that it went to. Um, so we did that all day Sunday at Wamisett Lanes. Um, if you want to be involved next year, please go to Bowl with Bruins. Um, Bowl with a Bruin online. I keep saying Bowl with Bruins, but it's Bowl with a Bruin. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly we will be doing it next year. I think I've done it seven years in a row, but I've only done five only. Um, they raise a ton of money. It goes to a great cause and um, it helps military families. And one of the biggest things about it is I love that there's a huge push towards making sure that it's helping with keeping the prevention of suicide down in, yeah. in uh, maybe Navy families and Navy SEAL families. So there's Sunday. <laughs> Here's a busy yeah. day, um, which was fantastic. Um, and then, uh, then, you know, there's work. And then tonight, so I've been my waiting day. for this. Yeah. So tonight, you yeah. haven't heard this one. Um, there's a huge gala that has been in the making that happens all the time, but because of COVID, it kept getting postponed, postponed, postponed. A gala. A gala. I don't know so if I've ever been very, to a gala. Oh, you've never been to a gala. So I, it's, so we get to dress up. Yeah. And be pretty and handsome. And so there's a big gala. So it's Ray Bork, who's the Boston Bruins, you mm -hmm. know, famous skater. Of course. Okay. So Ray, Ray, it's Ray Bork's gala um, that he's putting on. Um, and this is in uh, to help Pete Frady's with ALS and mm -hmm. the foundation for ALS and yep. um, raising money for that. So I'm excited about that. So it's a very busy day because, you know, it's you a know. gala. It's, it's a, a whole day affair. It's a whole, well, it's not a whole day affair, but for me, slamming in all the work and before it and then yeah. running to it. And I won't go into the conversation we had prior to <laughs> yeah. why I look like this today. Um, you look lovely. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, that was so nice. Swords up. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not a uh, inaccurate ac description of our conversations. It's love. I know. It's all out of love. Notice this. I'm going to give you an emblem for Christmas. Swords up. Um, and so then. You like to spar and I like to spar. I love sparring with yeah. you. Yeah. And then another really great charity event this weekend. But I, I timed this very poorly. So although I'm supposed to be doing this thing tonight that goes late, 
I'm also supposed to be on an airplane and turn back around and be in Boston tomorrow morning at eight o'clock in the morning. So this should be very entertaining for me. And I might be you just stay in town. I No, I can't do that. And then John can lug all your stuff home after Thanks. you get on the plane. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> um, and oh, then, is John going with you? What? Oh, no, he's going with me. Okay, okay. Yes. On this one, he's going with me. So that, so I have another charity event this weekend. <sighs> I know first world problems, but it's just, you know, it's a lot, but I love charity work. And you know that I do the whole nonprofit mm -hmm. thing. And um, so it is the season. And so this weekend I will be off in, in doing that. And, um, and no it, details on that. And what? No details on that. Um, I can give details on it. Sure. I will be uh, going to the wildcat sanctuary in Minnesota. Minnesota. And Min There's Minnesota. a wildcat sanctuary. There, well, so so wildcat sanctuary um, is owned by Tammy Thies, different than the one in Tampa, but they do the same mission. And Tammy, um, uh, and she's doing she's doing a gala, <laughs> another gala, a little different, but um, but uh, to go and be on property, they have just reached. They have just been able to house and take in for life. Thank God. Um, as if people follow the tiger King and that crazy person, Joe exotic and all of his entourage they did. So Carol Baskin did close down his, his sanctuary, his sanctuary, mm -hmm. use, that, use that loosely. Um, and then all the cats after they were figured out what happened to them and where they went and people tried to like scurry them around, people were able to save some of them and they all got, portioned off to good homes mm. in terms of sanctuaries that were actually legitimate places where this happens. So Tammy Thies owns Wildcat Sanctuary and has had that for years. And um, she was able to home some of those cats. And so big cats can live in, was it Minnesota? Um, in Min How many cats? No, big cats can live in. B yeah. Well, yeah. tigers and lions, tigers love snow. Do they? They do. Hmm. And they, so they have tigers, lions, puma, or, Mountain lions, yep. uh, caracals, savannas, servals. I'm going through the list. You don't think of them Eurasian, as Eurasian, Eurasian lynx, uh, Canadian lynx. You don't think about many of them in that kind of climate. Um, often. Well, tigers, and the lynx. I suppose, yeah. And yeah, but so it's interesting because at Wildcat Sanctuary they have um, their enclosures are a little bit different because they're not in Florida. So, right. So Florida and Tampa, everything's really pretty much outdoors with the uh, enclosures um, having like overheads and then full on enclosures out into the big fields. Cause it's warm down there. And it's yeah. always like that. Whereas in wildcat sanctuary in Minnesota, it has enclosures where they can bring them in and put them in warm spaces and mm -hmm. things like that in the winter. So there's, so they do different, they have operant conditioning to allow them to come in. Speaking of that, Tampa is currently getting yeah. pummeled. So one, I have multiple really good friends down there um, in uh, multiple areas, Brooksville, yep. Tampa, Apollo beach and uh, Lando Lake um, and, and Lakeland. And they're, they're all right there in that area. And then all to all my friends that are hunkering down because they didn't leave. Yeah. Um, and I do know that from, one of my besties this morning, as we talked this morning, she said that we are, we, as I said, I'm living there. We are not getting hit as hard as we thought. So I feel like I'm connected down there because, yeah. you know, I'm there all the time. But, um, but the Big Cat Rescue 
has excellent hurricane protocols that they've oh, been good. doing for years because it's been around for years. So they have really good protection. And one of the things that's really cool about the enclosures down there is that they're all on a curvature. So the wind won't take them out and can't uproot them. So it's, wow. they're okay. they're like hurricane proof as much as they can be, but yeah. um, they have great protocols in place because people always worry. And so for people that have questions about, well, what about the cats? Well, the cats are, are very well protected around that and they're on a higher level ground they're not on low level um they're not like sitting on the water so there's not going to be like some storm surge that's going to come up and overtake them in that way they're probably going to get windy and wet but um but i did see the the lovely sun sun bridge the set you know that bridge that goes over that i literally just did a boat through a couple weeks ago and um underneath it and today the water was up to the top of the, <laughs> the skyway bridge like yeah. right up to the edge i'm like that's kind of scary that yeah i don't i wouldn't want to be down freaks there me out this week you what? I wouldn't want to be down there this week. I right. Yeah, it's just there. So I'm feeling for, I'm feeling for all the people down there, mm -hmm. and I hope people stay safe. I know that like this morning they were saying if you haven't left yet, you're stuck because you're stuck. Um, so I I do feel for that, but I I do have good positive vibes, and I have been in contact with people since early this morning about that. So the problem with evacuating down there is where the hell are you going to go? Because you don't inland. know where the hurricane's going to go. It, well, you'd, you go well, inland, inland and Florida to the other coast. Yeah, that doesn't. Yeah, I mean, it'll save you, but that's still not a fun time there either. Well, no, but it's it's not yeah. hitting the it's not hitting the east coast. It's yeah. just hitting the west coast. It's coming up through the Gulf, and so yeah. it will cross over, but it will be nothing like if it yeah. came up on the other side. Right. So, but anyway, now that I've given all all the updates on the weather, Tampa, Florida, all the charity events, I will speak about one more. I actually am surprise, surprise. I have been invited back to run for the new england patriots why would that for the surprise boston, you for i'm being facetious okay yeah for the boston marathon 2023 it will be my ninth running in a row of the boston marathon pray to god my foot doesn't crap the bed this year april this, this april year? yeah uh, i think it's april 18th or mm -hmm. 19th or 20, i don't know you should it's just do it in april. september like they did september's well, no, a great been, it was yeah. only that way because we did virtual and because of the pandemic i know but That'd but, be a good time to run it. I understand that, but it's not. Yeah. It's April. So tradition. So I will be um, making sure that I start talking about that because I'm going to be having events and we're we're back to normal, so to speak. And so I'm going to do um, some big events and do my giveaways and all that stuff, but that's coming. But well, the pandemic's um, I'll start over. So. I'll start training. Well, no, it's not. You know how many people in the past two weeks in my practice have called me and said, I have COVID. Uh I know like, it's please not. Please do not come to my office with COVID. I know it's not over, but that's what I was told. Who told you that? The president of the United States. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, I can't even. <laughs> Did he really say that, or is this a made up? Oh, he said it on 60 Minutes, yeah. Pandemic's over. See, swords up. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> hey, I'm, not, I'm, just... I'm going to ignore the commentaries and go towards now talking about, see, we did our 15 minutes uh, of banter. Yeah. Now I'm going to talk about several topics. One, we haven't come around and talked about, we always talk about addiction, but we don't talk about specific things around addiction. Technically, we'll do like little pieces here and there, but I want to talk about alcoholism specifically today mm -hmm. and some of the underpinnings and why and how. But I also wanted to talk about two people in the past two weeks um, 
there's a phenomenon, you know, people get the pop psychology stuff that, in, you know, they get either psych magazine or whatever they read. Yeah. But there's a thing out there called border polar. It's not, it's not a diagnostic and statistical manual diagnosis, a DS that we call it the DSM five. It's that's where we get all of our diagnoses. And then that's mm -hmm. how we bill out for information to get our payments. So but it's not a clinical diagnosis. It's not an actual clinical diagnosis, but it's now a new pop culture word that's being thrown around that people have, people have border polar. It's a blah, 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 blah. <laughs> border polar. So it's like, so it's two things combined together. So I'll talk about that quickly because I just want to talk about it because people are asking about it. So border polar by definition is when a person is borderline personality disordered, either full on or features of in combination with having bipolar disorder. So they are, so they combine the word and make it border polar. So you're having the personality disorder with the bipolar illness. Now, there's a couple different interesting reads on this that I've been, of course, delving into because people ask me to. Um, I've heard about it. It's off and on over the years. Like people have talked about all kinds of different things about these things. But many times in psychology, we have differential diagnoses where we have multiple different things going on that look mm. the same. Like yep. you can have anxiety and ADHD with depression and those all will look very similar because they have crossover yep. um, features. But then we, you know, in our brains, when you're trained really well, and I've been doing this forever, you have like the sort of the tree you can go down and be like, nope, nope, yep, nope, yep, yep. nope, right? So, <clears throat> for whatever reason, and it's actually been popularized in Hollywood, go figure, <laughs> but several actors and actresses have, have been, I guess, loosely diagnosed with border polar, polar. Um, so it's, it's that the person has borderline personality disorder, which is, you know, one of the hardest personality disorders to have in terms of diagnostically to be able to really work with. This is um, one of those things, borderline personality disorder is one of those things that people know exists, but they have no handle on it. Yeah. It, Don't it, really understand the manifestation of it. Well, so I, so yes and no. So if you're in the field, you do. Of so, course. No, so, I meant just but in, the, so people, people often will say colloquially, they'll say, oh, they're so borderline-y. You've heard that, right? Yeah. They're so borderline-y. And people then go into the space of, what does that mean? That means, oh, they're on the edge of something. But that's actually not what borderline-y means. Also, it's rude to say that about someone because yeah. it's not, you know, it's it's got some negative connotation to it. So borderline personality disorder has some pretty specific features to it. Um, it's predominant typically in women. Doesn't mean men don't have it because men certainly do. It's rare. Um, it's usually a lot of other things. Features of it are much more inclined to be there than actual full-blown diagnostic of all the features that would make up to say, yep, checkbox it yep. is that. Um, and then, oh, got a question. And then, um, and one of the underpinnings that you see in people with borderline personality disorder is there's usually a an early youth abuse, sexual typically a sexual assault or sexual some type of something that's happened and or some heavy, deep emotional neglect and disconnection from someone in relationship because borderline personality disorder people struggle to relate with others 
They have love-hate relationships with people. They love you and at the same time can turn around and be like, I hate you at the same time, but love you. Um, they emotionally dysregulate very easily, have a very hard time maintaining their emotional regulation around a relationship um, and have a lot of other features that are coping strategies that allow a person to somehow keep themselves in a relationship by some gaslighting, some maneuvering. There's techniques that are used and yeah. in, in, in what it is, is, is a coping strategy that a person with that personality disorder utilizes that they've been taught in order to remain in connection, even though the connection might be a, a total disaster. Um, so, so that's a very quick and dirty version of what a borderline personality disorder is because it's much more than that. But that's just to give kind of features. Just, I just want to pick on something there. Yes. You said, I think you were saying that it's more often than not, not a childhood development. It's, it it's is. A, it's a later. In, oh, no, it is in child development. Okay. It's um, Bruce, that's what makes um, Johnny Depp such a great, great actor. Which, I, which thing is he talking about? Probably which? borderline personalities. Oh, <laughs> um, well, that's an interesting thought. So, so it's in youth. So borderline personality disorder doesn't usually get diagnosed till adolescence right. or after, but it occurs in its, its onset is in the early years, you know, zero to six, seven years old. Cause you're just camouflaged as being there. And it then doesn't yeah. manifest itself truly until we usually, we, I don't ever diagnose it for people until they're after 18. Unfortunately, because it's camouflage as being a teenager. Because camouflage is so it, right. Because <laughs> yeah. teenagers look so teenagery. Yeah. Um. So you know, teenagers are a mixture of narcissism, histrionic personality disorder, antisocial personality. Like there's yeah. all the disordered looking features of so many. So by the time you get through that, you're like you have no idea. But when you actually get some of the history on someone and you can see some of those things, then you can start saying, you know, in late teens, like yeah, yeah, that's really there. Um, but then there's bipolar disorder. And so the bipolar disorder, there's bipolar one and bipolar two. Most times when people are diagnosed with bipolar, it's bipolar two, um, not bipolar one, because bipolar one is much more rare. It's more the mania side, the more the hyped up side, the more impulsive, you know, psychotic side, whereas bipolar two tends to be the more depressive side. Um, mania or hypomania can be in there, but people spend more of their time in the depressed, mm -hmm. agitated, anxious state. And then when you put them together, that's what they're calling border polar. Um, it will be interesting to see because every so often we come around with rounds of um, the diagnostic manual being redone, you know, for new diagnosis sure. or, or, or getting rid of old diagnosis and replacing them with new. But this has just been sort of on the pop culture of psychology recently. Um, people are talking about it, asking me about it. So I figured I will jump it out there. Now to your friend who is writing in Johnny Deb, um, to speak to him, I obviously have no clinical experience working with him, nothing other than watching him fully on all of his movies, which he's an amazing actor. Um, I truly believe that. And, um, and watching him on his in the trial yeah. trial. Um, if I were to pick personally, personality disordered people out of the two that were on that trial, I pick her. Yeah. <laughs> because she, she, she much more fits that borderline diagnostic criteria, at least on, 
on face value and he does not he fits other things but yeah. that's not one of them and she has the history for it and she talked about the history for it he has history for it as well but his manifests in a different way he looks and, more this is amateur a yes and b with very little insight into who johnny depp is like the rest of us he looks more trauma stricken than well, she'll then tell you that she's more trauma-stricken. No, I know. But I mean, just his demeanor, his the way he acts, the way he presents himself, that I, I just assume he's had a pretty hard life. Yeah, I mean, I so I think so to equally say to both of them, at least their, their histories of how they reported in, this, in their trial, they both have had a hard life. And I think that he, she's manifested loosely no clinical diagnosis here. She's manifested much more the borderline outward look yep. to her of, of, of behavior. He's manifested the way most men deal with trauma, which is drugs, alcohol, self-soothing behavior, high-risk behavior, impulsivity, and all that stuff, which happens to also roll over into some of those features that happen to cross over borderline, ADD, depression, anxiety. But then again, I could say, so do hers. So it's it's very hard. That's why it's border. We don't tend to to diagnose borderline very often, just because it, we, we call it in psychology, unfortunately, the kiss of death uh, diagnosis. Because once you're once you're labeled, yeah. which is terrible labels. I I diagnoses are only really for billing. I always tell my class that when yep. I'm like doing my graduate level class, you have to have it because that's how they pay you. Um, but it's also so that some people like to know what it is they have because um, it helps them feel better about it. It gives them a sense of like grasp on it, control. And then they but can go Google. You what? Then they can go Google. Ex yeah. Dr. Google. Yeah. Um, oh, or they go and diagnose themselves and come in and tell me what they are. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Um, and I always can tell. I'm like, oh, you went to Dr. Google. That's great. You know? <laughs> Yeah. And, and they have the checkbox. Um, but but when you have um, people with it truly, one, you typically won't see them in treatment. And when you do see them in treatment, um, the outcome of their recovery of, of doing the work is usually pretty good because the whole, the whole movement around dialectical behavior therapy, which is like CBT, but it's called DBT. It's the same kind of concept, but what it does is it balances a person's dysregulation, their emotional dysregulation. It balances their dysregulation with mindfulness-based thinking, and I call it wise mind. The woman who invented DBT, yeah. Marsha Linehan, calls it wise mind versus non-wise mind um, as well. And I think that's the best way to think of it is like, how do you use your wise mind versus your non-wise mind? Are you making decisions in relationship to others, relationship to self, relationship in the world around you, community and et cetera, and abroad? Are you using a wise mind and wise choices, always making good choices? And that really keeps people centered and grounded. When people do that work and have good self-awareness that they have that personality feature set, um, the outcome level is really high. Cultural prognosis is good. Culturally, you know, that is a mindfulness. Basically the same principle. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, and by the way, because you mentioned it, I mean to talk to you about this. I think we should do a show on self-awareness. Oh, okay. Uh, well, we can do that. I think it's a great subject because I don't, I don't, Part well, of mindfulness. Sort of, it sort of goes with this today. Yeah. Because mindfulness is about being self-aware. Yes. Well, yeah. you have to, in order to have, in order to truly have mindfulness, self-awareness is really the first main key to it. You have to have awareness of self. 
Yep. You have to have self-observing ego. You have to be able to look from outside of you in and see what other people would see. Um, you have to take a good self-assessment and not get swayed by other people's like the bias, the verification theories, all those things. Um, so, so that brings me to talking about alcoholism. Yep. Alcoholism, I get distracted. There's someone over there doing something. Okay. Um, Just a talent from the other radio station leaving. <laughs> the, so self-awareness, um, when working in addiction, self-awareness in that way is often admitting that there's a problem, right? Yep. That's the first step in AA. Um, now, people do not have to do AA. People often think, oh, if, I'm, if I admit to having this issue, I must do AA. You don't have to do AA but there's something you have to do. You have to be self-aware that it's something beyond your, it's beyond your pay grade to have control over it when you're full blown into it. Yeah. So if you have a family member that's stacked deck on both sides, for instance, you know, that has, you know, here you are the person in the alcoholism, in the actual active addiction. And then you know that your family members on both sides, say the stream of men down one side and the stream of men down the other side are I've actively, most of them have all been in alcoholic states most of their lives or have died of something related. Then having denial about that and lacking self-awareness and then continuing on the pattern doing it, you're making interference familial generational push towards that. So you're passing it down to your, your son in, or your daughter. But typically if it's that male run in the, in the gene line, it will keep running down that interfamilial intergenerational gene line um, and modeled, right? Cause it's social learned on, yep. on occasion. We know from, well, we know also in twin studies, it doesn't always work out like that because people have resiliency and then whatever and self-awareness. I was going to ask you how you break that generational trend, but you just said it model, right. modeling, right? Right. So, so you can't social, do the genetics, but you can model a different behavior. So, right. And, the, and some, so this, we've had great twin studies that show like how that can manifest itself in very different ways because, you know, a person, twins can be born to an alcoholic family or at least one parent having it being totally unethical. They can't do this anymore, but they did it and they got themselves in trouble back in the day, <laughs> but separate the kids out, put one, one in a family that doesn't have it, one in a family that does. And depending on the social modeling, you know, what comes out of it. And, and, you know, the child that, you know, they, they, they found in, in one big study, you know, like the child that did not go to a home that had it ended up having alcoholism. The child that did go to it with it was socially modeled not to do it, but even though it was in it mm -hmm. and ended up with none. So yeah. it's like, it's very interesting. So it's like, yes, it's genes and social modeling, which nature and nurture together. Yep. So it just depends on those resiliency factors and what's around them. Um, also, I think it's socioeconomic status at times. It's hmm. it's demographics, and it, it just it it depends. There's always my standard answer. Yeah. It depends, but self awareness is so important to, um, and, and 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 let me go deeper into self awareness on on the isms. Is it's not about I have the ism as being self aware. It's about what is underneath it because alcohol and drugs and shopping and eating and doing all those things that get you into bad, unhealthy patterns. I won't say bad. They're unhealthy, toxic patterns for yourself. They're the symptom of the problem. The problem is, is 
is what you use to to satisfy and soothe what's ailing you. So you can have self-awareness mm-hmm. and be totally spot on it. I'm a drinker. Or I'm using pills or I'm the shopper. Or I overeat. But good. We get it. You have self-awareness. But what you truly have to have is understanding of what is happening underneath mm-hmm. that created that problem. And time and again, I'll have people that are newbies with me that are trying to get sober or they're in recovery and they're out and they're in or they're out. You know, They will keep doing the in and out, jump in and out because they don't do that underlying work because they're like, I didn't start drinking till I was 25. That's fine. But you yeah. had a problem that happened. That's why we take good full histories because zero to six years old is when all this is imprinted in. Whatever is going to happen down the line is going to start then. Hmm. So the isms start zero to six years old. Now, that doesn't mean that if zero to six was great and all of a sudden at seven, eight, nine, or 10, there's some big trauma that happens and that doesn't trigger it. Sure. But usually something in zero to six. So I have a client, for instance, that zero to six reportedly yeah, it was pretty good. I would say there was some mommy and this is a, this is a, a, a grown man now, but there was some mommy issues there mm-hmm. for sure yep. initially. And I'll use that loosely. So I don't go into details, but when the boy, after having that from zero to six, probably would have had a very different outcome had there no tragedies happen. But then his dad got shot in the head in a hunting accident good when Lord. he was in yeah. his early adolescence. Mm-hmm. And then within a year and a half of that, we were on an ism run. Yeah. And when I first started with him, he had good self-awareness about his ism, but couldn't relate it back to the early years, only at the trauma point. And I said, the trauma point triggered all the stuff that happened before. So when we talk about self-awareness, it's really about going back into the deeper stuff. And that's not blaming mom and dad. That's not blaming it. It's about looking at, what is creating the need in you to have to self-soothe? What is missing? It's usually that feeling of lacking. I'm insecure about myself. I'm not enough. I'm a failure. Um, that is there perpetually that, you know, I, I have someone in, in my current life right now that I know struggles because of all these reasons, but then we'll look at oneself and say, None of these things can work. AA doesn't work. Groups don't work. Medication doesn't work. It's just, I have to be away from all of this. That's running from the problem because you're not looking at your family history has set you up in this. And you have to know that so that you can look at what makes you feel insecure. Why do you get triggered? What do you do when you get triggered? Now that's all part of self-awareness and people in the isms don't look at that initially when they're in when they try you know the first few times you know people go through this sometimes hundreds of times you just described what they call geographic recovery right and you go away florida typically right but you come back and you come back into the same circumstances that's why isms are always characterized as a dual diagnosis because there is the addiction that you're dealing with and is the underlying reason why you get there right and Mm -hmm. and that's why I, i mean i think and I, and I often advocate for the detox model to be, to be retooled because the detox model has a flaw, uh, many flaws, but the detox model is get a person to come in for detox, you know, 
and then five, six, seven, ten days later, whatever it is, usually, right? They send them back out in the world, right? Sometimes to a rehab, but not usually. And the tool, there's no toolbox. If there is, it's very minimal. So it's not, it's not a, it's not a, um, it's not a complete self-awareness toolbox. So the person's just going back out into the same, you know, they're going back to the same house. They're going back to the same people. They're going back to the same patterns. Something has to change. That's or why else. meetings, that's why meetings are there and why you stay in meetings so long because you do the detox in a matter of days, but it doesn't fit the un fix the underlying problem. It doesn't give you any skills to deal with it. It doesn't even give you awareness of it. Right. It just puts you right back into the same situation. Right. And and a lot of people don't like the meetings because for a variety of reasons, but one they of the have main to be reasons too I is because it's too God driven. And, yeah. and that, and that's actually not true. I always tell people that it, it was based in that when it was first built essentially, but it's really not about that. You're going to find groups around every, all over the country that are very, you know, more Bible thumping around sure. the, the big book, but you more often than not, you're going to find um, people that are really looking at the deeper level of, you know, when you do step work, if you don't want to do, if you don't want to go to a meeting, you can still do the step work because you still have to look internally, mm -hmm. self-awareness to your fourth and fifth step of, you know, taking a self inventory of my characteristic flaws. Who have I, who have I done something egregious to? Where have I gone, run a, run a, run a ground? Um, how do I then make amends for that if I can? And if it's worthwhile for me to do that, you know, things like that, because it's not all about just laying out your soul and falling on the sword just because of something. Cause there's only so many times you can be repentant for something, but you have to be able to look at that. So in lieu of doing meetings or going into a full blown detox, some people just binge drink, right. And they're still in ism, but it's like, okay, but why are you binge drinking? Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Yeah. Same thing for eating is it's cause you're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. There's some hunger. There's some self-soothing thing that's there that's missing that you're not feeding. So what you do is you drown it in either food or alcohol or pills or shopping or whatever it is. And it's not looking at, well, what's driving me to do that? The operative term in 12-step programs right now is now higher power. Yes. And I think you can not get around the religious aspect of it, but you can relate to it in a different way. The right. higher power is your wise mind. Exactly. Right. So that's, that's the wonderful thing about DBT is using yeah. the self-awareness piece of, well, what is your higher power drawing on your own self? And you are the I, higher power. You are your higher power. Yeah. Where do you reach for it? Now, a lot of people will go, Oh my God, that's so blasphemous to the thing, to the, to the concept, but you have to draw within and, you know, you throw it out into the universe. That's how I always say to people. I said, throw it out into the universe and, and draw on the energy of healthy, non-toxic people in environments, which will give you the strength to draw on yourself to do that. So your higher power, you know, not narcissistically being you, but it's drawing on your environment that gives you the energy that fulfills that. Because what happens is, is when you're in the ism, you're drawing on the higher power that's allowing you to fall down the the hole yep because that's a higher power too because that's the whole that's the power that has the hold over you and that's why the first step which i think is a great tool is admitting that you're powerless against the thing mm -hmm. that's driving it because and then it's about gaining sense of control over when i was a child when when people would neglect me or people weren't paying attention or people did bad things or whatever happened 
it's allowing yourself to say, I didn't have control over that. And that's why I'm trying to find places to have control. I mean, eating disorders are so that, you know, people who just eat to eat and self-soothe and gain weight and become obese, you know, or people who are anorexic, mm -hmm. same thing, restrict, restrict. That's all about power and control of, I didn't have control over this, but this is one place I have it. Well, let me try this, see if it works. Yeah. Um, if we go to the mindfulness model or, or the wise mind, unwise mind, Yes. the unwise mind has no power over the addiction. The wise yeah. mind does. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. The, the wise mind, the wise mind will go into my three R's. The wise mind uses, is it rational, realistic, and reasonable? You mm -hmm. know, and I, anyone that listens from my practice always, always hears me say, Dr. Kim's three R's. Is it rational, reasonable, or realistic to be doing that, thinking that, feeling that, wanting that, mm -hmm. needing that, and using that across the board? And and the answer is typically no, <laughs> because they're the the because they're in the unwise mind. The unwise mind is usually the mind that's getting challenged. In the wise mind, the answer is going to be like what it will give the answer to what is realistic, what is reasonable, yeah. what is rational. It's probably not a good idea that I go hang out with the people that I, you know, shot heroin up with. It's probably not a good idea that I go and sit inside Crumble Cookie and buy a dozen. Yeah. Right. And this is what people do, but the unwise mind is that it's, you know, the devil that you know versus the devil that you don't, mm -hmm. you know, we give different terms, right? So it's, you're listening constantly to the negative tape, the, well, why bother? We can start tomorrow. Someday is always tomorrow, right? Yeah, right. I mean, you know, God rest my best friend's soul from last year. I yeah. mean, every day was, it was tomorrow. I'll start tomorrow. I'll start tomorrow. And tomorrow came and he passed away, right? So it never So the wise happened. mind was speaking, but never really took control. Well, too late. Yeah. Right. It was starting. Yeah. But it was too late. And that's yeah. what happens to a lot of people. So like over the weekend, one of my clients' fathers passed away, very young man. Um, you know, and, and family's talking about it as his heart gave out. Well, he's 50. Yeah. And he has a history of very excessive very infiltrating alcoholism and drug use so did his heart give out yeah and that's what he died of or was it alcohol and drugs alcohol and drugs he overdosed my guess you know yeah. don't know the whole autopsy but 50 year old man who has an ism you rarely get that in the obituary though huh you rarely get that in the obituary and, and, you know and you rarely do get that in the obituary but you can usually read through those lines sure. and, I, and i'm always of the mind when i do give advice to people it's like you know there's there's no shame this is like people you know people die of copd or cancer or and they list those things it's like this is this is not an unknown entity and it's so prevalent um I was just reading a whole thing on uh, fentanyl and how much people don't know about fentanyl and how, you know, people know it's dangerous. Yeah. Like that's what people know. Fentanyl's dangerous, but yet fentanyl's in a lot of things. And, dangerous. You know, like a press, gun in and your they're mouth. In the press yeah. pills that are like the MDMA, the ketamine, yeah. the, da, 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 you know, the, the designer drug pills and people don't realize that, Oh, it has fentanyl in it. Well, you know, a lot of people are allergic to fentanyl. So if they don't know, and they have a try, I always love this. I have a trusted source. I trust who's giving it to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's no trusted <laughs> right. source. Uh, there, that's a standard. There's no trusted source in that. That's not wise mind thinking either. Yeah. And they're not buying from the same. They're not right. dealing well, from the same source all the time either. Right. Well, well, and I also get 
people who will say my person directly got it from the drugstore. I watched them come out and then they handed it to me. Yeah. That's all it's good. Yeah. So that's their source. So it feels comfortable to that. And I always say, is that wise mind? You know, have I have this little sign in my, you know, I have little signs everywhere, but in my office is use your wise mind. But the, use the your wise mind. 12 step program, the oh, mindfulness thing for me hit and it's been the mindfulness thing is giving to you time and time again throughout your life. Mm -hmm. And it's a matter of um, it's a matter of lexicon. It's a matter of terminology. It's a matter of practice. And it doesn't land. The mindfulness thing landed for me in the secret. And if you, I don't know if you've read the secret, or seen it. Yes. It's me very meta. It's very you metaphysical. Your mind. You huh? asked me that before. Yeah, probably. But it's very metaphysical. But I rejected all that. It looked like psychology to me. Didn't, yeah. I, I don't think you leverage the universe in the way that they're talking about it. For example. Or the universe provides i don't think well that's why well so so in the secret if people have read the secret it was yeah. kind of phenomenon that was yeah. back in the day that was like woohoo but it, it would i am much more lean towards like eckhart tolle but you have to be really heady and intellectual yeah. to to read eckhart tolle to to you know a whole new earth or whatever yeah. and actually it was michael singer that really landed the plane for me but that was all another door <laughs> okay was, but yeah. the point being is that yeah looking at being present in the here and now and being in your right mind or your wise mind, as opposed to something that's delusional, distorted, um, out of context, um, sort of like what a border polar person would be doing. Um, you're not using wise mind there. You're in a totally different dimension. You know, if you're talking about the secret or you're yeah. talking about like Eckhart Tolle's, you know, mindfulness based work, you have to be in this dimension of really being in a continuum of, of reality, which is like the three R's. Yeah. If it's realistic, reasonable, and rational, that's great. Is it reasonable to be, you know, going out and doing a handle of vodka and then, you know, having heroin? Nope. But in the middle of it, someone thinks that's a good idea. But your brain is, your brain is basically bipolar. Anyway. <laughs> there's that, there's the colloquial uh, yeah. pop psychology use of, you know, yeah. your brain is bipolar. So, so but the impulses that you're getting from your body and your brain aren't wise, if you want to use the term right. wise and unwise. Yeah, right. If that lands for you. Well, so, and, and you've heard me talk about this before. If you're familiar with Winnie the Pooh, <laughs> I bring it down to Winnie the Pooh characters. And this is how I describe it to clients. Yeah. I, if I give a label, I'll give a Winnie the Pooh label to a client. Okay. And I'll, and I'll tell them, I'll, we'll talk about Winnie the Pooh and I'll say, like someone who's depressed and in the throes of being in an ism, they're being an Eeyore. Yep. Why bother going out when you just have to come back? Right. Yep. That's Eeyore. Yep. And a lot of times, and it's not one size fits all. A lot of times, Eeyore doesn't need to be Eeyore. It needs he needs to be Tigger. So first, we need to be Tigger. We need a little bit more energy and motivation, and then we need a little bit of Piglet. So curiosity and thinking and and little poo, right? Kind of like okay, but at the end of the day, we want wise owl. Yes. So wise owl gives us the thought process that is the thinking through. That's not an overthinking. It's not a. It's not a um, paralysis from analysis. It's just wise mind. Yep. So so when you're in the ism or when you're in the psychological distress of anxiety, depression, bipolar, uh, 
personality disorder or any of the kind of more common things. I'm leaving schizophrenia out of that because that's a different thing. But when you're the, you really can think of it in terms of, of those characters. Now, a lot of people can't relate to that. If I have younger listeners that don't know Winnie the Pooh, which I do have many people in my practice who are like, I don't know the series very well, so I can't. I go to Wizard of Oz. Most people know Wizard of Oz. Yep. So, and I use the characters from Wizard of Oz. And what would you suspect that Wise Mind is in the Wizard of Oz? Um, I was going to say Dorothy, but. Is she? She isn't. So She, the she gets guided to, into the Wise White Mind. Witch. So, or the wizard. The Glenda the Good Witch. Glenda the Good Witch, yeah. Glenda the Good Witch is yep. wise mind, right? Yep. And and her and her arch enemy or her nemesis, the the green witch, mm -hmm. the bad witch, yep. one that wants the ruby Wicked slippers. Witch, yeah. She actually has a wise mind that's gone toxic. Because if you actually watch Wizard of Oz, can't believe I'm talking about this. This is what I talk about with patients. Um but when you watch The Wizard of Oz, she actually, it's like she's been a disgruntled, resentful person who's had her wise mind sabotage. So the way she's retaliated is through resentment, which is what happens in isms. It's, it's funny too because same family, right? Of self. What? It's funny because the same family, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it's very interesting, right? Yeah. So, but, but you have, but. Dorothy becomes wise mind and Scarecrow becomes wise mind because right. And Tin Man and the lion, they become wise minded together. It's a collective in a family that becomes a functional family together. So when you look at those things in ways to metaphorically understand it, it makes it easier to have self-awareness and wise mindedness because they all have their ism they all have their damages. They all have their sadnesses and their hurts and all those things. But when you're really looking at how to be healthy and not toxic, there, there's your framework without having to go into some ethereal, very heady intellectual way of looking at it. Yeah. Just either reference Wizard of Oz Winnie or Winnie the Pooh. the Pooh. Yeah. I just get royalties for all the things, you know. Well, the whole Winnie the Pooh thing has been explored. I didn't. I never looked at Wizard of Oz quite that way, mm -hmm. but it's interesting. Now well, Wizard of Oz also gets the whole thing about being in a psychotic state of mind all the time, and you know, and yeah, that's that's a whole other frame of reference that they use. That's like in schizophrenia. But that's a great example of the wise mind that Dorothy became, harnessing all the chaos that her three companions are throwing at her, right? Because of their difficulties. Their well, and the and the metaphor of I mean, okay, so we're going to use this because it's such a great metaphor. The metaphor of Wizard of Oz, everyone in the audience hopefully has seen it, whatever. The metaphor of the tornado that comes in and, and, and the black and white part of the yep. movie before it goes into color version, right? Mm -hmm. The whole tornado that comes in and whips up the whole family and the characters to be able to come together, to be able to resolve out everyone's issues so that by the end, the characters are the actual people and they've all gone through a tumultuous tornado in their family and or in their community and have landed on their feet in a healthy way yeah it's pretty cool metaphorically dealing with trauma metaphorically dealing with trauma yeah. and ism mm -hmm. right 
And so you can see the same similarities in Winnie the Pooh, just a little bit differently. But I think Wizard of Oz shows that so beautifully because when a person really can't understand how to be self-aware, what a great metaphor is. You have this trauma that comes through like a tornado. It uphe it's upheaval to your entire family because addiction and trauma are the whole family. And then when you get wise-minded and you start getting one person to be wise-minded in the family, what do people do? One of three things. They grow with you, mm -hmm. they stay the same, or they go away from you. Right. And so it's the way to practice mindfulness and self-awareness and togetherness. And medication's not going to fix that. People people continually go and search for the meds to fix it yep. or AA is going to fix it. Or if you, those are all helpers. If you do not do the internal self-help work, you're going to still keep spinning. doesn't mm -hmm. mean you're going to use, you're going to be either, you know, the white knuckler, the dry drunk, the, you know. Well, medications are dealing with the symptom of the symptom of the problem. Right. It's, and creating other symptoms yeah. to treat. <laughs> True. Yeah, I mean that's that's never going back. That's that's never dealing with the baseline problem, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Right. And, and so so hence a couple of weeks ago when I talked about the research has just come out about magic mushrooms and psilocybin. I mean they're doing a lot of research on that for helping some of these issues because of what it does in the brain, and it's not tip. It's natural. So there's one benefit to it. I'm still I'm still in my camp of trying to figure out where I am in that camp. Um, but we have really great research on um, the use of medical marijuana. And I say medical marijuana because going out on street grade and just going out on the street is very different. But but there is a benefit time and again. And it just has such a stigma to it around... Um, the Ill illegal nature of it and what it means and what kind of person you are yeah. and all those things, which is going away more and more. But when it, I, I'm never a big fan of it for people who have really bad anxiety, because it does create much more anxiety. But when we're talking about isms like alcohol or drug, right, we have some pretty good first off the mark data that says, no, this is possible. Now we don't have anything really, I haven't seen anything wonderfully conclusive, perfect. But then also I don't see anything for that either with Wellbutrin and Zoloft and Paxil and Lexapro and Effexor and everything else you could throw at it. So, um, but there again, it's about using your wise mind and trying mm -hmm. to figure out like, I cannot keep doing something that's this unhealthy that causes me these functional problems that create a, my my ability to be self-aware um, to decrease. Now, people would say, well, if you're doing marijuana, then your self-awareness goes down. That's not necessarily true. Right. Your self-awareness actually changes. And now this is where the street grade, street grade is going to make you high as a kite and you're probably not going to be in your right mind most of the time. And probably paranoid. You <clears throat> Paranoid, yeah. all those things. But in your micro dosing of, of, special grade, blah, 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 medical or regular made dispensary brand or people that are now invested multi-million dollars into actually making marijuana into a business, which it's huge. There are ways to actually stay in your right mind and keep your right mind clear. That's why people go towards ayahuasca, although it's really dangerous at times yeah. and it can hurt you and kill you. It opens up the mind to be in your right mind. 
but it also isn't good for some people with trauma. And so it's, it's one of those things that natural doesn't mean better, but it certainly means. Ideally it makes you present. It, at least for temporary. Yeah. And so a lot of times when it makes someone present, it allows someone to access that when they're not using it to make them go into a better space. Yeah, that's a mental muscle. Once right. you gain presence, you can do it for longer periods of time. You can do it more on demand. And this is why it's not a, it's not a fix for any of the isms. Right. But this is why I always say weight loss is such a great starter point for this because you can learn skills that you can translate into some of these other right. issues. Right. Exactly. Because you have to deal with your hunger, which is the underlying issue and whether it's what it's driven by. Well, whether it's really hunger or whether it's something else yeah. and eating out of being a self-soother. I mean, people. So when people are having overweight issues outside of having like a medical condition, it's because they're, they're, the underlying ALT is there. The hunger isn't there. Right. You know, there's another the misnomer of I'm starving. Are you really starving? Yeah. Because I just saw you eat an hour ago. So, and you're starving? Or, you know, people will starve themselves all day and then get it at nighttime and, and binge eat and say, I'm, I'm starving. Well, yeah, you're starving because you starved yourself. And now you're going to eat yourself into this place where it's really bad and then right. you're going to binge and purge i mean so it's that's it's, why diet doesn't work right because all diet does is put put you in that state of mind but it also slows your metabolism as it right. starts to ration your and people the burning don't believe your, that yeah. when they're in that mode especially the people that do like i won't eat all day fast 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 you know yeah. and i can attest and you've you've michelle and i've talked about it attest to the fact that no eating all day and then getting at night after a whole day of everything and working out and being in the gym and doing whatever. And then being like, Oh, it's dinner time. And now I'm going to eat a million calories and go to bed on it. Yeah. And then what does it do? It puts your body into, to, um, screaming storage mode of like, Oh my God, I need all that I have on reserve so that when you get it, it's just holding it, holding it, holding it. People don't understand why. Well, I'm not losing any weight. If the body doesn't know when the next fuel is coming, coming it, rational, right, it, right. it goes it's into rationing consistent. and it slows your metabolism. Right. So when people say, I don't eat breakfast. I, you know, I never used to eat breakfast years ago because I was trained yep. not to eat breakfast for a variety of reasons. <laughs> another, another youthful zero to six issue for <laughs> me, but I was trained not to eat breakfast. I had bad habit because I could go, I could go all day. Yeah. That's not good. No. And, and then at nighttime I was restricted. Plus what that does, if you have blood, blood oh, yeah. level it, issues, it totally and, messes it up, yeah. right? Get, your it regulatory you yeah. and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But this is a, this is a dilemma in athlete and uh, athletes. Um, that's why I work hard with a lot of my athletes. I mean, even with my recreational athletes still, is that a still a problem? Fuel for me? No, for athlete in athletics. Oh God. Yeah. Really? Oh yeah. Because nutritional knowledge has come so much so oh, far. The yeah. I I oh no. Really? No, I have so not so not only do I have coaches who give poor information, I also have parents who give poor information to their kids, especially if the parent came up through as an athlete and they want their kid to be yeah. a superstar. The same information, the old school, like you know, you know, you'll run faster if you don't eat that. And it just, yeah. oh, I'm, I combat this all the time. That's prehistoric thinking. I yes. Mean, we know so much more about nutrition now. Right. And, and even people that, that had that thought process that are teaching their kids that, that know better, they still teach the kids that. It's well, discipline. Dis discipline is, discipline is still valued in athletics, almost yeah. overly so in some cases. Right. It's yeah. very, it's very striking. Yeah. So, so before we leave, 
Yeah, because right, laughing because we did. Show. <laughs> right, is that what you're doing? Spot Swords time. up. Swords up. I'm He's helping ending my show. I'm helping you. It's my job. Oh, you're helping me. Uh, I'm laughing because uh, we talked about the Wizard of Oz and Winnie the Pooh, and what came to my mind while we were talking about it is what's the psychological principles behind Seinfeld? <laughs> it's like I watch Seinfeld all the time, and I'm just laughing at everything. It's, That's a whole like. I'll have to talk about it. It's a masterclass in psychology. Oh, it it? is. Between Elaine and Kramer, and there's so many good shows out there to use. Because there were theories and articles out there very similar to Winnie the Pooh that they they were basically based on personality disorders. Yes. And uh, there are a couple articles relating it to. Yeah. Well, of course. But there are a couple articles actually relating it to Winnie the Pooh and equating the characters to Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, there, so there, the there's some really good content out on on the Dr. Google that you can all go listen and, or watch or whatever people talking about the uh, personas of these things. Um, I haven't seen anything new in a while, but I mean, I've been doing this for almost 27 years and I have had this in yeah. my repertoire forever because it's so spot on. I thought I you, love what you gave me on Wizard of Oz because now I'm going to start thinking about that oh i could give I, you hadn't more thought, that I hadn't thought about it that way before but yeah it, it makes a whole lot of sense oh i think and, and at some point if we want to talk about wizard of oz again and self-awareness i could also talk about that in terms of like the schizophrenic brain yeah. and the delusional brain and how our senses of who we are um is largely based on you know our reality of being in black and white versus color and and how we distort reality versus whatever else i just kind of gave it the beatles treatment like it was a result of some shrooms or something <laughs> well there's that too. yeah there's that <laughs> well, and then we can just talk it. about pink floyd and we can talk oh, about you know yeah. grateful dead and all their music yeah. and whatever so okay so we talked a lot about a lot today um so first of all before i i leave my show and close out my show lou swords up <laughs> um uh blessings and good vibes into the universe for people down in Florida and Tampa and that on the West coast for the storm, not to just clobber them and hopefully everyone's safe. Um, And I just had a funny moment in my head. I was just thinking about the HOA, but that's a whole other thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> you, Tower you number knew two. It just went through my head, right? Yep, I was like, I do. except you know the HOA. Yep. Some of those people, whatever. Um, so anyone that's <laughs> listening now, you know, you guys down there in the HOA know what I'm talking about. Well, you know, maybe some houses. <laughs> Is that awful? Pay no that attention was, to the man was, behind that curtain. Yeah, exactly. Pay no <laughs> attention to the to the green little person behind the curtain that just said that. Um, but that and um you don't necessarily have to support my charities or do my philanthropic work, but one of the greatest gifts that I have in my life um, that fulfills me outside of the fact that I love helping people in my practice and, and see great results in people um, is that I love being just able to give back and um, tied back to the world uh, in different ways. So find your charity or find your benefit, whether it's veterans, animals, uh, elderly people, kids, um, your neighborhood community, whatever, but do something good for somebody today and, and it will come back in, in, in spades. All right, you guys, um, enjoy your week. I will see you next week. Stay safe and have a wonderful daily game face. Yeah.